everyone see me? Well, except for everyone over there. <sighs> you know, our sound guy and our sound equipment have to have shade, so um, hopefully that's not too much of a distraction. It kind of feels like Easter morning, doesn't it? Talking about the resurrection, singing about the resurrection, Christ is risen. He is risen! Amen. We don't have to wait till Easter Sunday morning, uh, Resurrection Sunday, to uh, to repeat that for sure. Aren't you, aren't you glad you're here? Aren't you glad you got up this morning and said, you know what, I'm going to church in the park. I'm going to grab my lawn chair, or I forgot my lawn chair, so I'm going to sit on a bench over there. That's great. You got shade. Um, you got you all can hear me, right? The traffic's not competing too much. All right, good. Well, I want to start this morning by telling you this. I believe what I just sang. I believe that Jesus literally is alive today. He was dead, but he's alive today. As it is recorded in the Bible, I believe it was an actual historical event that took place over 2,000 years ago. But I don't believe this simply because the Bible says so. Uh, for those joining us for the first time this morning, we have been working our way through Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. It's 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. And if you brought your Bible or you've got a, a Bible app on your phone, I would encourage you. And if you happen to have Verizon, we have a brand new cell tower in Lingle. Finally. Um, and it's working today. It's been sort of hit and miss. They're still working out the bugs, I think. But uh, we've waited for so long, it's great to have service here. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to tell you that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is loaded. It is loaded with great news, and uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about that today. But before we start in chapter 15, I want, you to tell, I want to tell you about Matthew. Uh, Matthew was a despised tax collector. He became a Jesus follower. He saw Jesus die. And after the resurrection, he saw him alive, and he wrote the Gospel of Matthew describing how it happened, describing the life of Jesus. Mark. Mark was a Greek. He hung around with Jesus' followers, and he traveled around with Peter and Paul, and he also wrote about what he saw, and he believed it. I believe that Jesus is alive today because Luke, a doctor, performed an investigation into the details. He interviewed eyewitnesses. In fact, in the very beginning of the gospel, Luke says he investigated everything from the beginning. Luke believed it. John. John was the first person to the empty tomb when he heard that Jesus had risen from the dead. John watched them crucify Jesus, and he saw him alive. He believed it. And he wrote about it. Peter, Peter was one of the disciples. Even if you don't know very much of the Bible, you've probably heard of Peter. He walked on water, at least for a few steps. Jesus told Peter that Peter would deny him, and Peter said, no way, Jesus, no way, I will never do that. And then it happened. He did exactly that. And Peter, Peter was crucified upside down. He was killed. He was, he was killed not for what he believed, because we know that many people that are willing to die uh, will die for what they believe. Peter was killed because of what he saw. 
He saw Jesus die, and then he saw him alive. And that made Jesus the real king. That also made Nero not the king. Jesus was the king. And then there was James. James was the brother of Jesus. Now, James could be the most convincing one when it comes to believing that Jesus rose from the dead, in, in my opinion. James was the brother of Jesus. James doesn't come into the picture until later. He's mentioned later in the book of Acts that Luke wrote. He was a leader in the church in Jerusalem. In, in fact, he wrote the book of James, which is also found in the New Testament. Now, can you imagine growing up with Jesus? I've said this often. You could never blame anything on your brother because he never did anything wrong. Jesus was the Son of God, and he was perfect. But can you imagine what it was like for his brother to hear that his brother was the Son of God? I mean, what, what do you, I wonder what went through his mind. I, I mean, would he have said, well, wait a minute, this is, I mean, he's my brother. What do you mean he's the Son of God? Uh, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, Jesus would have had to die and be raised again in order for his brother to believe that he was the Son of God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And then we have Paul, the writer of the book that we're in today. In his early years, Paul was doing a favor for the church. Paul was killing men and women because they were spreading these lies about this man, Jesus, that people were, were talking about. But then something happened to Paul. He saw Jesus. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul, who was originally ridding the world of these believers, became one himself because he saw Jesus because he knew Jesus was alive and he became one of the greatest missionaries that this world has ever seen. Why? Not simply because he believed it, but because he saw it with his very own eyes. I believe what I believe not simply because Jesus taught these things, but because we have the accounts of eyewitnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, and Paul to what really happened. So if, if you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you believe in the resurrection, you are convinced that Jesus is, a t is alive today, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you would say, though, that you believe in God and that you're trying to follow all the things that Jesus taught, but you just aren't sure about the resurrection, you, you really don't believe that it actually happened, I'm glad you're here today because we're talking this morning about the issue when it comes to faith and, and theology. This is it. The resurrection, all of Christianity hinges on the truth and the reality of the resurrection. And I hope that you consider what Paul is telling the Corinthians in this letter. And that's that the resurrection is the essential foundation when it comes to what we believe. Now, it's natural to want to separate the life and teachings of Jesus Christ from the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, people do it all the time, right? I mean, everybody loves Jesus, right? People that don't believe in the resurrection have, have I mean, I've seen it, T-shirts, Jesus is my homie, or Jesus loves you, or... They, they say things like that. Every politician loves the Sermon on the Mount, right? You know, the, 
the truth will set you free? There are certain things in the Bible that everyone is fine with. Love your neighbor. Yeah, that sounds good. Everyone should love their neighbor, right? I mean, we should all do that. Jesus said that. We're all good and fine with family values. Respect your parents. Parents, take care of your children. Fathers, don't frustrate your children. Justice and mercy and grace. No one has a problem with those things. Jesus taught about those things. We love to sing about Jesus too. Even worship him. And everyone knows that Jesus taught that we should take care of the poor. We should be generous, right? But the fact of Jesus coming to life from being dead, I mean, many people just can't swallow that. They just can't believe that. They're fine with the rest of it. But they just can't believe that Jesus literally, physically came back from the dead. And if that's where you are today, I want to tell you the problem with separating the life and teachings of Jesus from the resurrection is that both are recorded for us by men that believed that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead. The resurrection is at the center of all they taught. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Paul. It is the essential piece. It's how Paul starts off chapter 15. So look at chapter 15. I'm going to read the first four verses, starting in verse 1. Now, brothers, Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel, which is good news. I want to remind you of the good news that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So if you don't believe in a literal resurrection, you believe that in the first century, Paul and Matthew and Mark and, and others so appreciated the teachings and example and principles that Jesus taught, that they all got together and said, you know what, this is so good, these, these principles that, that people should live by. We need to keep this truth alive. So let's make up a really, really, really big lie so people will believe it. You see, if there is no resurrection, we should really just abandon all things Christianity. I mean, all things Christian. Verses 13 through 34, I'm not going to read them this morning for time, but Paul outlines to the Corinthians how, many vain, how vain living a Christ-like life would be if, if Jesus isn't actually alive today. It means that if you end your prayers in Jesus' name, you should stop doing that. You should use your own name or use your favorite athlete's name to end your prayers. Uh, everything you believe about heaven, if the resurrection didn't happen, you should forget about it. You know, whether, whether you've actually read the Bible or not, 90% of what people in this world believe about heaven came from the Bible, came from what Jesus taught came from guys that told us that Jesus rose from the dead. We should abandon everything Christian if we don't believe that he actually came back to life. In fact, 
It's rather inconsistent if we say that we believe in everything that he taught, but we don't believe that he's living today. Now, we've all been to funerals. We've heard a pastor get up and talk about the fact that we will see this person again someday. We can forget about all of that if Jesus did not rise from the dead. We can forget about all that. If you are working hard at being obedient to God's commands, I have a newsflash for you. If the resurrection didn't happen, you're wasting your time. All that time that you have spent serving other people, wasted effort, all the money that you have given to the church and missionaries and to, to people in need, it's all been a waste. All the time that you have given to others, if the resurrection didn't happen, we should just stop doing it all. Don't go to church anymore. Just do whatever. Sleep in on Sunday mornings. Go to the mountains. Have fun. Give up all things Christian. Because without the resurrection, it doesn't matter. And I have to admit, believing that someone rose from the dead after being dead for three days can be hard. I remember a quote from somebody. They said, they said what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And he said, I want them to say, he moved. Oh. Now, has anybody been to a funeral and saw somebody rise from the dead? We haven't. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to believe. But, but here's the thing. We don't just have Matthew. We don't just have one guy, Mark, saying this is what I saw and this is what I believed. We don't just have Luke or John or Peter or James or even Paul by himself. We have them all from all different walks of life, eyewitnesses. Now, Paul, about 20 to 23 years after Jesus rode, rose from the dead, wrote this letter to the Corinthians. Uh, now, just a thought on, on time frame. Isn't it interesting how, and this usually happens about Easter, you see all of these articles and, and news things and programs about how the resurrection of Jesus couldn't have happened and one of the things that they always like to point out is that the writers of the New Testament wrote what they wrote decades after it actually happened. I mean, at least two decades. Like, that's a really long time. Well, to some of you, it may seem like a really, really long time, but let me ask you this. Does the ti this title mean anything to you? Billie Jean. Anybody recognize that title? Raise your hand if you recognize the title Billie Jean. Hey, just so you know, that song was written in 1982. There are people here who weren't even born yet. And you're telling me you remember Billie Jean? How about this one? This might get a different crowd. Achy Breaky Heart. But you remember that one? Oh, yeah. If, if I knew the tune and the lyrics, we could probably all sing it together, right? That one was actually written and performed in 1991. So it's a little newer. But it's still almost 30 years away. So let's be honest. Many of you can remember some of the verses to those songs, right? Um, and, and if we can remember details about stuff that isn't that important, don't you think 
that the disciples and those that wrote the New Testament could remember details about the most life-changing event to ever occur on the planet? I mean, some of us here are even old enough to remember events that happened 70 years ago or 80 years ago. You know, it will be 26 years this December, but I remember standing on the stage up there at North Hills across from my now wife pledging to, to surrender my life to her. And trust me, I surrendered my life to her. Uh... I, I have a terrible memory, but I can remember almost every detail of that day. Um, it was a special day. It was an important day. It was life-changing, let me tell you. One detail I do not remember, however, is I remember the Broncos beat the Raiders, but I don't remember what the score was. Because we were watching it in the dressing room. This was be before Internet, too. We, we set up a TV with the rabbit ears so that we could watch... So, you know, we started the ceremony 10 minutes late. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. When skeptics want to say, well, I don't believe the writers of the Bible because they wrote, how could they remember the details? How could they remember 20 years is not that long a time? All right, look at verse 14 there, what Paul says in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Paul is saying if Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead, our faith is worthless and my preaching is useless. But wait, Paul, don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, you say that your preaching is worthless. We love your preaching. In fact, at my wedding, we read some of your preaching. We looked at it last week up at up in North Hills in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's great stuff. Love is patient. Love is kind. It, it is not easily angered. That's good stuff. But Paul says, don't read my stuff at your weddings. It's worthless if Jesus didn't rise physically from the dead. And he also says there, a key word is our preaching. And in saying our preaching, Paul is talking about Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter and James and all those who came after him. He is saying this is essential. The resurrection is foundational. Our faith is useless if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. What we believe has no foundation if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Paul goes on, verse 15. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. A false witness means... A liar. Paul says we, John, Luke, Mark, Paul, are then found to be liars about God because we have testified about God that he raised Jesus from the dead. Paul is saying that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you shouldn't listen to us. You shouldn't listen to anything we say because we're just liars. In fact, we are the worst kind of liars. We aren't simply lying about current events. We are lying about God. We've gone on record, all of us, to say that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. 
I mean, this really then pushes us into a corner, doesn't it? You know what that means? It means that if the resurrection isn't true, if it didn't really happen, we should all take our Bibles and we should flip to the beginning of the New Testament. And we should grab onto that and we should just rip it out. Because if Jesus Christ didn't really rise from the dead, none of it is true. None of it is true. Paul says that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everything he said is a lie. Paul is saying, don't take inspirational or motivational uh, value from what we've written, because if the resurrection didn't happen, we've lied. That's what a big deal the resurrection is. And he goes on, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sin. Wait, 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 Paul. What, Paul, let, let me explain something to you. I believe. Well, tell us what you believe. I believe God is a forgiving God. Well, that's a good idea. Where did you get that? Well, my grandmother taught it to me. That's great. Where did she get it? Well, I know she was a faithful follower of or she was a faithful churchgoer. Oh, so you got it from a sermon. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And that sermon came from the Bible, probably from the New Testament. So let me get this straight, Paul would say. You believe God is love because you got it from your grandma who got it from the Bible? Isn't that the point? In the Bible, Paul says, if the resurrection didn't happen, forget everything we wrote because we are liars. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I got one. I got one. God is love. Okay, guess who wrote that? John. The first one to the empty tomb. Okay, how about this one? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, who wrote that? John. The first one to the tomb. It doesn't matter where in the Bible we go, even if you aren't a Christian, even if you don't believe the Bible, because the culture that we live in today has been impacted more by the God of the New Testament than we could ever know. In fact, to a large degree, when you think about God, you think about the God of the Bible. When you think about heaven, you think about the New Testament, heaven. We didn't come up with this all on our own. All of this came from Jesus. It was written down by the New Testament writers, and these New Testament writers are saying, we didn't make this stuff up. In fact, if they were making stuff up, I think it would have sounded a little bit better than what they wrote. They would have looked a little bit better. I mean, I, Peter, right? I mean, I, I would not, as a writer, if I wrote it myself and I wanted people to think highly of me, wouldn't write that I stuck my foot in my mouth constantly. Right? I mean, why would I tell people that I denied Jesus? I, I want to be known as the one who, who died because of my faith in Jesus. It's, so it's all, it's all or nothing. You can't have the wonderful thoughts about heaven and forgiveness and loving your neighbor without the resurrection. Because if you try to do that, Paul says... It's futile. It's a futile exercise. 
Have you ever said or had someone say to you, well, I believe? Uh, It it usually happens on airplanes or in buses. A a person will say, uh, so what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Well, I believe. Well, that's great. But the question is, why do you believe what you believe? Well, I just do. What other areas of life do we make decisions based on just, well, I believe? Well, you see, officer, I believe, well, the officer would reply, that's cool that you believe that. Here's your ticket. Well, Judge Hibben, I I believe, well, that's great, but here's your sentence. Maybe everyone taking college or high school or middle school classes, when given a test, have you ever tried this before? In answering the questions, well, I believe, that doesn't work out so well, does it? In the world of facts and the world of mathematics and the world of science, what we believe is important, but what we believe doesn't determine reality. Reality should inform what we believe. And that's what Paul's saying about the resurrection. We shouldn't base our reality simply on a mere reflection. We need to know the basis. We need to know the foundation. If we don't, we are merely fooling ourselves and our faith is futile. In this case, again, our foundation, the essential foundation, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul continues to press the Corinthians and us in verse 18. He goes on, Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Those who have fallen asleep, the first century understanding of death, they really aren't asleep, they're dead. There is no more life in them. If the resurrection didn't happen, those who have died before us are just simply gone. They're lost, Paul says. We don't know where they are. We have no idea. All the hope that we have received at funerals, the encouragement we get from hearing that our loved ones, moms, dads, grandpas and grandmas, and even children who have trusted Christ are in heaven, it doesn't exist if the resurrection didn't happen. Are you getting the sense that Paul is saying the resurrection is pretty important? That it is the essential foundation. Without it, we are lost. We have no real hope. Paul continues in verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If we are just living this life, only our life here on earth with hope because of Jesus... If we believe that this is it, what we are getting in this life now, we of all people, Christians who say we follow Christ, if we don't believe in the resurrection and the, re- and the resurrection didn't really happen, Paul says, we are to be pitied. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, is saying all that money that you gave away should have kept it. Pity you. Think about all you could have done with all that money. All those times you worked hard to maintain your purity and felt ashamed and guilty when you didn't. It was all for nothing. If you are living in a difficult marriage because you're staying together and working hard to work it out because you've searched the scriptures and that's what God wants you to do, it's wasted effort. Oh, and all that serving? Why waste your time doing that? Why go help Carol and her husband? 
In fact, many of us, we've spent hours and hours sitting in church services just like this. We should be mowing our lawns or fishing or playing golf or sitting on the beach by the lake. Pity us if the resurrection didn't happen. In fact, look at verse 32. This is sort of a, the, the phrase that Paul captures all of this in. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. I mean, you know what Paul's saying here, right? He is saying you can try living your life on all the teachings of Jesus and not believe in the resurrection, but eventually the inconsistency is going to show. If all we get in this life is this life, then we are to be pitied. If we don't believe in the resurrection, we have no foundation. It is the essential piece. But in the middle of this chapter where, where Paul is kind of talking about all this negative stuff, look at verse 20. Now this is a powerful word. One word. Paul uses this often. But... But, now there are two Greek words for this word, but. The first one is day. That's like a little but. Uh, then there is ula, which is like a big contrast between one thing or another. And Paul didn't choose either of those. He, in fact, puts two Greek words together for this but. need day. Which means, are you kidding me? It is unbelievable. It is absolutely amazing. So if we read that verse, verse 20, in that way, are you kidding me? It is absolutely amazing and unbelievable. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. The good news is this. You don't have to spend the rest of your life in futility. The truth is, we can build our faith and Christianity on something true and strong and real. Because it really did happen. Jesus Christ rose. The reason that we can believe, the reason that we can follow, the reason that we can hope is that it did happen. It's because our Savior, Jesus Christ, is alive today. His teachings didn't just rise from the dead. His spirit, his principles didn't just rise from the dead. His body, physically, literally, walked out of that tomb a little over 2,000 years ago. Look again at verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He took our sin to the grave, that he was buried. That's how we know that he was dead. He was in a tomb for three days. And how do we know that he was alive? Paul says he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Okay, okay, so that's a small group of men. They could have concocted this and sort of held their story together. Doubtful, but I'll, I'll give you that one. They saw him alive, and look at verse 6. After that, 
Jesus appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though a few of them have fallen asleep. Now, this is amazing. Paul, Paul is writing to the people in Corinth, and he's telling them, I know the resurrection is something that is difficult to wrap your mind around. I know that it's hard to believe. I know that you've never seen anyone come back from the dead before. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. Peter saw him. The 12 saw him. Over 500 eyewitnesses saw them. And if you still don't believe me, get on, the in, get on your camel, ride to Jerusalem, and ask people face-to-face -face because lots of them are still alive today. Remember, it was 22 decades, 23 years has passed. Those people are still alive. They will tell you. They will tell you that Jesus is still alive because they saw him. And you know what that means? It means that if you are a Jesus follower, that your hope is not in vain. Your prayers are not in vain. Those funerals that you went to, that hope that you heard because of somebody's salvation in Christ, it's true, it's real. We can have peace in that. Our worship is not in vain. Our kindness is not in vain. The time we spend in church and with other believers is not in vain. Your purity is not in vain. We are not to be pitied because it is the real deal. Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. And if you still wonder, if you aren't a Jesus person, you're not a Christian, maybe you're here today and you haven't read much of the Bible, in fact it's really foreign to you, and maybe you're just here because you heard there was going to be a cream can dinner and it's going to be great, or Maybe you're here because you have a friend or a relative that's being baptized today. That's great. I, we are glad you are here. And if you forget everything else that I've said this morning, here's the one thing that I want you to wrestle with. Because God has you here for a reason. The issue for you is not that you were ripped off by a Christian and so you don't believe in Jesus. The issue is not that you were offended by a church or a church leader. The issue is not how old is the earth or what about the dinosaurs or when you were a young boy or girl, your parents got a divorce and, and the church kicked your mom out and now you don't want to have anything to do with God. No. And this is really important for you. The issue is this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Because if he didn't, you can just go on with your life just the way that you've been living it. No, no worries, no problems. Game over for Christianity if, just, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But if he did, and I believe there is plenty of evidence to show that he did, it changes everything for you. It means that you can talk to God as your heavenly father. It, it means that, you, that, that there is no more to this. It means that there is more to this life than just this life. <laughs> it means that that sense of ought and ought not that you have when you live your life every day is actually the thumbprint of God. 
You see, you were created in his image. It's not just some moral standard that you came up with or that somebody else did and decided it was a good thing. It means that those stories you heard from your grandmother or your grandfather are important. Their faith that they lived in some rather difficult times is important. It means that the faith of your father or your mother was really, really, really real. It wasn't just some great mottos to live by or Aesop's fables to teach principles of how to live our lives. It means that you can serve other people and it will have meaning. Eternal meaning. It means that you can never sin so much that you could be outside of God's ability to save you because the men that wrote that Jesus rose from the dead also wrote that his grace is sufficient for us. It means that we can be freed from the chains of the sin that is darkening our lives. It means that you are loved and valued by your creator to such a point that he was willing to give up heaven and all the things that came with that and confine himself to a human body was born in a stable that he was tempted in every way lived the perfect life and one day in a, in a garden even wrestled with what he was staring at the pain and the agony and the shame of taking on the, the sin of the earth and dying being killed on a cross for us for you for me it means that you can break that habit it changes everything the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our surrendering to him changes everything so here this morning as you consider faith as you consider Christianity it begins and ends with the reality of an event in history, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Witnessed and reported to us in the Bible. It is our essential foundation. Now, I know for some here today, this is the first time that you've heard this, maybe. And, and maybe you aren't ready to believe, and I get that. But I want to encourage you to keep asking questions, keep learning. I mean, you know who you are here with today. And if they're a regular part of North Hills, they probably have some answers to some of the questions that you have. They for sure know somebody that may, if they don't. Keep learning, keep searching. You see, as much as the world would like to say it's not that important, it is extremely important 
and for at least four this morning that believe in the resurrection, they have surrendered their lives to the living Jesus, and they're going to go before us here in a few minutes over there in the swimming pool, and they're going to follow the command of Jesus to follow him. Jesus, Jesus was the was our example. John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. Jesus commanded his disciples before he ascended into heaven to make disciples, help people follow Jesus. And, that, and, and then he also told them that you are to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. Four people for sure, and there may be others who are here today who... You've been hesitant, but, but you know that you believe in the resurrection, that you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and, and why not? I came dry, and I'm going to leave wet. Actually, you'll probably spend enough time in the park eating lunch that you'll be dry if you sit in the sun. But Baptism is the, a great symbol of what Jesus does inside of us when we surrender our life to him. It's like we are being crucified with him and going down into the grave. Kind of also maybe representing the sin that's in our life, that was in our life. Now, baptism doesn't save us. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that baptism is a requirement for us to be forgiven. But it is one of those things that Jesus commanded for us to do. And it's to be a public thing, which we're in a park, we're at a public swimming pool with lots of people standing around, proclaiming those that are baptized today that I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and it is my desire to follow him the rest of my life. I once was in sin, but now as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am clean, purified, forgiven. I mean, you've, you've all heard me do this before. Well, not all, because I've seen some faces that I don't recognize. But I, I mentioned at the beginning of the service that, that I'm married, been married for almost 26 years. I know to some of you that's not very long. In fact, somebody that I forgot to mention last week was Rick Teeters. Rick and Linda Sue just celebrated their, is it 39? I don't, anybody remember? It is 39? Okay. They just celebrated their 39th wedding anniversary. Uh, so anyway, I'm married, and uh, I have this thing on called a wedding ring. And uh need to drink more water, I guess. So knowing that I'm married, uh, if you saw me, in public, would would you know, I mean, me not having a wedding ring on, does that mean I'm not married? No, of course not. I, I'm still married. But when I put my wedding ring on, what is it? It's a symbol, right? It's a symbol to everyone around that I see in public that I'm taken. I'm off the market. Uh... 
Baptism is a public symbol of what Jesus Christ has done in us. And these four that are going to be baptized this morning, that's what they're proclaiming. And so when we, after we close, we're going to worship the Lord in a couple more songs and just... Again, think about the words that you're, you're, you're singing. Think about the message. Think about the resurrection and what an incredible thing it is. We're going to take up our offering as well. Um, and, then, and then when we close the last, uh, Caleb will close the last song with a prayer. We're, gonna, we're all going to go in the main doors of the pool, although some of you will probably gravitate to the outside of the fence, but I would rather we were all in, inside, standing around the pool. And when we, just like I want our singing so that everybody in Lingle knows that we're having church in the park, I want us to cheer because it's a big deal. It's a big thing. For someone to say, I, I'm proclaiming, I am a follower of Jesus and I'm going to live for him the rest of my life. So let's celebrate with them. Um, let, me, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you indeed did rise from the dead. That you are seated at the right hand of the Father right now. Thank you for how you've preserved this truth in incredible divine accuracy. God, you knew that we would be skeptical. You knew that we would have trouble with believing this supernatural thing, a dead body being alive again. But you are. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in hearts today that, that maybe are far from you. Father, maybe years ago we, we proclaimed our faith to you, but ah, we've just been sort of coasting in life, and maybe we've just been holding to the truths and the, the teachings and the principles, but we haven't been living life you are, like you are alive today. May that be true of us. Father, I know you have a message for each one of us here today. Help us to hear that. Help us to leave here changed because of the reality, the truth, the historical truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now, in these songs, we celebrate that truth truth of our risen Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.